chapter 10 of the gospel according to John, beginning verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not in by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, is, the, is the, the, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now he's talking about himself there. We, we can't climb into the fold of God. We, we can't get in except through the door. But there are false Christs that are trying to get in other ways. And, and uh, listen, they are the thieves and the robber. But Jesus came through the door of prophecy. He came through uh, the way that God planned for him to come. He goes on to say to him, The porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his sheep by name and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake uh, Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. And then Jesus, then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me or preceded me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. He said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and go in and out and find pastor. And here's the verse that I want to look at today briefly. The thief cometh not before to kill or steal and kill and to destroy. I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Father, I'm thankful, exceedingly thankful to be in the house of the Lord this morning. And I'm thankful for the outgathering of thy people. Thank you for the safety in journeys that you have given to all of us that are here. I pray, God, that you would allow it to happen in our return home, being safe as well. We're thankful for your presence, thankful for the uh, sweet Holy Spirit the Brother Steve made mention of. We're thankful, Father, how that his presence and his manifestation makes all the difference, whether our numbers be few or be many. And we're thankful for the Word of God that you have led my spirit to. And I pray, God, that as I set forth this message, that it will be a blessing, that it will honor and glorify you, that it will edify your people, and cause us to leave here rejoicing, knowing what the devil can't do because of what God's already done. Have your own way with us today. If there's anybody listening lost and undone, may they realize, God, their need of Jesus, and may they come to know the great shepherd of the sheep, sheep that gave his life uh, for their salvation. Have your own way now. We'll praise you and glorify you and honor you for asking in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus, uh, your Son, our Savior, and all of God's people said, Amen. I want us to look at the beginning of verse 10 where Jesus said, The thief cometh not before to kill and steal and destroy. Not too long ago in my readings and, and in my devotions and in my studies, I came across a poll. Uh, it was put out maybe by, uh, what's that Christian poster? By Barna, the Barna Group, I think is what it was. I want you to listen how much trouble we're in today. They were asked what they thought about the devil, whether or not he was a real, 
whether or not it was a real person or something else. And if I remember correct me correctly, and if you check it out, and I'm not, I'll straighten this out. I'm going by memory. Didn't write it down. I, I just, I wish I had now. Something like 65% of men in the clergy, and that's in the ministry, I hate that word, clergy or clergy, whichever it is, said that they did not believe in a real Satan that was a person or a personality, but they believed that it was some kind of force. Let me tell you, friend, I want you to know he's real. He is the great enemy of the soul. And listen, he'll do whatever he can to take you to hell with him. And if you follow him unsaved, you, if you have a deathbed experience, he'll sit on the end of your bed and laugh you all the way into a Christless eternity. So I'm going to preach this morning for a little while about what the devil cannot do. What the devil cannot do. Now we know he can do a lot of things. I mean to tell you even the names that the word of God uses to, uh, to reference him and to speak about him, friend, tell us volumes. I'm not going to get many of them. I'm not going to take the time to do that. I didn't even write him down. But here we have him mentioned as a thief. And he is a thief for us that are believers. And that's whom I think is mostly here today. He can steal not your salvation. He cannot steal your place in heaven. But I'll tell you what, he can help you do things that he robs your joy. He can help do things that are robbed of your confidence and in, in your assurance in him. I'll tell you, friend, he, he, he plants seeds of doubt. He can throw fiery darts our way. Hey, you know what else he can do? He can accuse the brother without a doubt. Like a roaring lion, he can come against us. Hey, listen, friend, he can he can charge us with many ways of things as the accuser of the brother. He can complain about us. He can even transform himself into the angel of light. But I'm here to tell you this morning, thank God, regardless of all the power that he has, and he does have power, there are some things the devil cannot do. You ever think you'd rejoice in anything connected with the devil? <laughs> The first thing he cannot do, he cannot change God's Word. I'm glad for that. I'm not going to spend much time in any of these now. I'm just going to give them to you, let you do the reading and the deacon. And can I tell you that, uh, that the first thing the devil, uh, when he shows up on the scene on planet Earth, in the Word of God, coming against God's creation and hence against God, the first thing he's attacked, was the Word of God. Y'all remember that, do you not? In the beginning, when God put Adam in the garden before Eve came along, he said, now listen, Adam. He said, you can have, you can have right to every tree that's in the midst of this garden except the tree uh, that's in the midst of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He said, now look, Adam, don't you eat of it for in the day that you do, 
thou shalt surely die. We all know the story that God put Adam to sleep because he was lonely and uh, out of his side he took a rib and formed from Adam's rib a woman and brought her to Adam and Adam said she's now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, therefore she shall be called woman. You all know the story, don't you? That one day, whatever Eve was there, was she just simply admiring what God had put in the midst of the garden? Had he, Adam, told her? Had he, had she heard it from the mouth of God herself? I have no idea about the latter, but I know she shouldn't have uh, lingered there without a doubt. And along came on smutty face. You won't find that word in the Bible. That's according to the T.K. Price Masoretic text. Amen. He came slithering up and, and slithering in, and you know the way that he does. Hey, listen, friend, with his subtle ways, he began to speak to her. And, uh, and he said, half God said. Do you know what? From the beginning, Satan planted the doubt or the seed of doubt against God's Word. And every since that day, I believe without a doubt in my mind, there's been a battle against the Word of God. Now, we're seeing it manifest in our day like no other day that we've ever lived and all the different Bible versions that there is. And I hope that this doesn't upset anybody listening or here. And uh, I don't intend to upset you, but I want you to know we're a King James Bible. Bible church, and we make no apologies for that. I call the NIV the not inspired version. Amen. Hey, listen, friend, we need to stand on the foundation that God has given to us, and I don't believe only that God was able to inspire his word in the beginning, but I believe with all of my heart he's been able to preserve it perfectly unto this hour in which you and I stand. Do you know there's been across the days of time that men have tried to destroy the Word of God in many ways? I mean, there was a king of, of Israel uh, that after Jeremiah had prophesied and Barak had, had written the word down and after the king was made aware of it and it began to be read to him in his winter house, you know what he did? He pulled out his penknife, began to cut it up and throw it into the fire. Can I tell you that the Catholic Church has destroyed more Bibles than any other entity on planet Earth? Do you all know that they used to chain it to the pulpit uh, to keep it limited or, or from um, the common parishioners. And here at Roxalana Gospel Tabernacle, you know what we do? We challenge people to read it through every year. Hey, listen, to get into the Word of God till the Word of God gets into us into such a way, friend, that it becomes a part of our life. Hey, listen, the devil may try, but he cannot destroy God's Word, it's forever settled in heaven. Number two, he cannot cancel God's promises. I like that, don't you? God's true and faithful for the Word of God said. Hey, in him is yea and amen. Hey, listen, friend, he's never changed his mind, and he never will. We can rest upon the Word of God. We can rest upon the promises in the Word of God. There was a woman one time, I read a story long ago to make for a good illustration here. She had become uh, to the point in her life physically ill that she could no longer attend church. 
She was pretty much bed fasted. One day her pastor went by to visit her. She was in bed that day and he was sitting beside her bed and uh, they were chit-chatting, you know, how pastors and a believer does. They talk about the good things of God. She said, Pastor, before you go, will you get my Bible right there on the, on the nightstand and open it up and read something out of it for me? He opened it up and began to thumb through it. He began to see some notations on the side of the Bible in the margin. And he noticed that, that some of them had a, a T and other places it was a TPT or a P. A PTP. There was a P and then a PTP. We got it straight? I didn't at the beginning, but I do now. And anyway, he said, you know, I, I began to look at this, and I noticed the notations that you've got in your margin, that somewhere you've got a P and other places you've got a PTP. So can you explain that to me? And she said, I sure can, preacher. Said, as I've read my Bible through, where I find the promises of God, I write a little P out beside of it. He said, Well, that makes perfect sense. That, that's great. I think I'll start doing that. He said, But what about the PTP? She said, Oh, preacher, I found something better than the promises to me. He said, What's that? He said, Well, when I found a promise and I tried it and I found it was true, I marked them all. P-T-P, promise, tried and proved. Hey, folks, you can try his promises and you'll find all of them to be true for me and for you. God came to a man to the name of Abram back in Ur of the Chaldees and you'll find this recorded for the first time in the book of Genesis chapter 12. God said to Abram, he said, listen, if you'll just trust me, if you'll just believe me, and if you'll leave her, the Chaldees, I'll send you into a land that every place the sole of your foot will tread, I'll give to you and to your seed. And that's before Abraham and Sarai, uh, Abram and Sarai had any children. And you know what God did? God gave that promise to Abraham. And listen to this. Before they had a children, before Abraham went in, to what we know, the land of promise, into the land of Israel. But you all know the story. There was a delay in him getting there. I mean, his father had to die in Haran, which means delay before they got in there. But they got into the land. And all oh, look, you all know, you all know how that he reiterated the promise more than one time to Abraham, about four times if I if I remember. And in the 15th chapter of Genesis, he does that very thing. And I'm gonna take time to tell you what happened in chapter 13, chapter 14. Uh, but listen, it had happened uh, so that God wanted him to know that though it hasn't come to pass yet, it will come to pass. Y'all know what the hardest thing is about God's promises? Waiting on them. That's exactly right. And the harder part than waiting on them is waiting on them to be given to us in God's timing. That's the kicker on me. Well, in that 15th chapter of the book of Genesis, God uh, confirmed his promise again. And you remember what he did? He added a caveat to it that's important. He said, now look, Abraham, I want you to know something. You're going to have some children, and they're going to go into Egypt. They're going to be in bondage uh, four generations, 400 years. But you know what God told him? He said, I'm going to bring them out. 
He said, don't worry about it. He said that I'm going to bring uh, them out. And you know what happened? According to the Word of God, chapter 3 of the book of Exodus, when the iniquity of the Amorite was full, not before, but when the iniquity of the Amorite was full, God called a man on the backside of the desert by the name of Moses to go to Egypt to bring his people out. Hey, friend, let me tell you, we can stand on God's promises, rest on God's promises, and wait on God to bring his promises to pass. Chapter 12, we see that that happened in the book of Exodus. We find the day uh, of what we know to be Passover uh, came. And you know what happened that night? Under the leadership of a man by the name again of Moses, he brought the children of Israel out. And can I tell you why? He brought them out to bring them unto himself. Hey, it's more than just bringing them into the land of promise. When God promises us something, friend, he's trying to bring us to him to learn something more about him as we learn something about ourself. So number, number three, the devil cannot destroy God's word or change God's word. He cannot cancel God's promises. And I like this one. He cannot champion God's people. In that same book of Exodus, y'all know they came out in chapter 13. In chapter 14, they crossed the Red Sea. Y'all remember that, don't you? Well, you know what happened between those two times when, or those two chapters when they came out? I mean, to tell you, Egypt was glad to get rid of them. On that night of the Passover, they got back wages. There's nothing like getting back wages. Y'all know that? I mean, it's hard waiting on them, but boy, when they're accruing and when they're adding up, when you get to hold up some, it's a pretty good deal. Don't forget the tithe. By, oh, I'm sorry. That was supposed to be funnier than that. But y'all remember what happened? They began to borrow stuff from the Egyptian neighbors. And they were so brokenhearted over the death of those firstborn sons. Listen, they gave them raiment. They gave them gold. They gave them silver. They gave them jewels. And they came out rich enough uh, to build a temple in the desert for the glory of God. Isn't that amazing? I wish I could remember what the worth of it was at that time compared to modern day price, but it was astronomical. Well, on that night... They were happy to let the children of Israel grow. But you all know how things happen after time passes. We begin to change our mind. By this time, the children of Israel again had not crossed the Red Sea. And God, listen, has a plan. He's always building us. Everybody heard me say that. Say amen. He's always building into us things that we don't need. And it's not just so that we can have them but so we can have them for the next need that we have on the next day, the next week, month, or year, whatever the case may be. But listen, when the children of Israel, being led by God Almighty, they came to a place called, if I remember right, Pahiharoth and Migdal. Isn't that right? I believe it is. Thank you for whoever said that. I believe it is. Read chapter 14. They come to a place to where literally when you study it out, they were between a rock and a hard place. 
Y'all know a lot of sayings we have in this world come from the Bible. Y'all do know that, don't you? And if you look at that, you, you, you'll study those words out. That's where they were at. And here's the deal. On the left was a, a cliff. On the right was a mountain range. And before them was the Red Sea. And there they were camping. And all of a sudden, somebody got the idea that they'd look behind them and see where they had been. And somebody in the camp saw a dust. Y'all ever watch cowboy Indian movies? You ever do that? Black and white, that's about the best stuff on TV now any day. Anyway, good guy and bad guy, you know, white hat, black hat. Somebody always won that was a good guy. It's not that way now. And you know what they'd do? They'd look back and they'd say, well, I, I, can, I, I believe a posse's getting close because they could see the dust boiling up under the, under the hoofs of those uh, horses. And that's what was happening. Hey, the children of Israel, listen, were camped here waiting on God. And all of a sudden, they looked and said, boy, Pharaoh's changed his mind. And he did. He said, look, get all of my chariots, all of my horses, and all of my army. And they begin to pursue after God's people. Well, you know what happened? God told him, said, now listen to this. This is what you want to hear when you want to run. Everybody with me? Stand still and see the salvation of God. I mean, God had led them with a light. And you know what? When they began to notice and see the Egyptians were behind them, God did the simplest thing. He, see, I'm about to shout right here. God got between his people and the enemy. Now, on the side of God's people, it was light. It was bright. But on the side of God's people's enemy, it was dark. And you know what God did? God stayed where he was at until, listen, he delivered all of the children of God to the other side of the Red Sea through what man thought to be an impossible situation. Can I tell you all, nothing's impossible with God. I don't know who you are, don't know where you're at. I don't know what your past is, and I'm going to preach this before long. But God's able to make, listen, a door of hope in your valley of, of Baca. He's able to do that if we just wait on the one that keeps his promises. You know what Moses did, don't you? Took that staff that he had already performed miracles with and did just exactly what God said. He said, now look, tell him to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He held his hands up and according to, uh, who's that guy that had that first movie, The Ten Commandments? Thank you. According to Cecil B. DeMille. The waters began to roll back. No, that's what the Word of God says. The Word of God said because the wind from the east began to blow, they stood up on their edges and listened. They did not get their feet muddy crossing that ocean bottom. They went through on dry shore. Now can I tell you what? They all got clean over to the other side. Now when they were far enough through that, the Lord moved that darkness, moved on across the Red Sea, I believe, to meet his people on the other side. And Pharaoh, because of his anger and through ignorance, began to follow them in. I believe that I would abandon 
the army of Egypt that day myself. I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I mean, you'd have to think something's wrong with this idea. Well, you all know what happened. See, closed up on them and they all drowned. And God wanted, now listen, God wanted the children of Israel to see that. I'd like to go to the bottom of the, dead, the Red Sea to see all those wheels on those uh, chariots that are laying at the bottom, all the bones of those men and those horses that drowned it that day. I believe it just like the Word of God says that it did. But God did give them a great deliverance that day. Do you know what the Word of God says to us? We're more than conquerors in Him, and I'm glad. Let me give you one more and we'll quit. Now, y'all got to realize this is just a put-together message about 15 minutes before I got in the pulpit. So. The devil cannot change God's Word, cannot cancel God's promises, cannot champion God's people, and cannot condemn them either. I like that. Hey, if you don't know it, the devil's not for us. He's our enemy. He can't steal our salvation, but he'd like nothing better to get us to fail, to get us to falter, to get us to fall. Hey, listen, friend, he's already a defeated foe, and he wants us to think and act the same. When the children of Israel, in their journey towards the land of promise, towards the promised land, according to the book of Numbers, chapter 22, you all know this story. There was a king of Moab by the name of, what was his name? Baal? No. Well, the king of Moab, I'll just leave it at that. He, um, he contracted with a false prophet by the name of Balaam. To me, Balaam is, if not one of, to me, he's the strangest character there of record of anywhere in the Word of God. He's just hard to figure out. God spoke with him. God gave him prophecies. And that man obeyed God. It's pretty amazing, but he was, a, he was an apostate, I believe. He was a prophet for hire. Matter of fact, over in two of the four books, we read about the apostate and the apostasy in the New, in the, in the, in the New Testament, in the book of Jude, in the book of, of uh, 2 Peter. This man, Balaam, is mentioned. So uh, somebody look up in, in, in what? Balak, thank you. I knew it started with a B. Balak, the king of Moab, he said, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to curse this people. We all know through a series of building altars and moving and getting different views of the children of God, Balaam found out, and so did Balak, that he could not do anything but bless the people of God. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that is amazing. And I'm going to tell you why. You all know it. I've told it to you, but I'll tell you again. I like it so well. Balak did not know, nor did Balaam know what God knew. Even the children of Israel didn't know the significance. They knew the experience. They even applied the blood in one occasion on their doorposts and the lintel. They even knew the sting of the serpent in the wilderness. 
But they didn't know the power and the implication of that lamb, that spotless, innocent lamb that was slain on the 14th day of the first month for the Passover to be had. They didn't know the power of the blood uh, to cover sin and to atone for lost mankind. And they didn't know out in the wilderness after that bite from that fiery serpent began to sting them, they didn't know the power of an uplifted Savior. They didn't know the power of an image made like unto the one that caused the problem that it had to deliver and to heal and to save. But God knew. I'm going to tell you something, friend. God can, I mean, Satan can, can bark. He can weep. He can howl. He can make accusations against us. He can even go to the very throne of God and point his finger before God at T.K. Price. And he doesn't have to think up a lie for me or for you. And you know what? He can't do a thing to change my position in Christ, my blessings through Christ, and my promises because of Christ. And I'm glad for that. He can't change them. He can't thwart them. He cannot, friend, he cannot condemn God's people. So I'm glad for that today. Come on, Judy. There's a lot the devil can do. We want to be careful. You, there's a lot of people doing things today with the devil. You know what the Bible tells us? That Micah, the archangel, would not bring a railing accusation against him. We ought to be careful how that we approach him. Can we resist him? The Bible says that we can and we should. But there's a process of that. We need to cleanse our hands, ye sinners, purify your heart, ye double-minded. Uh, he said, submit unto God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. I mean, I have had people to tell me, all kinds of strange stuff about the enemy. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to resist him. And I'm going to try to give him to God. Sure am. Let him do the work on you. Hey, listen, I don't know if anybody's in here lost. We're going to give an altar call. Maybe somebody's looking on that is lost. And you know what? The devil, listen, he doesn't want your best. All of these billboards and all of these advertisements that he's behind that, that says uh, uh, well the things that they do that promises a good time everybody's laughing and, and uh, everybody's under those lights that glow you know think this is the life to live when they advertise I'm going to use one and only one it doesn't get any better than this and it does you're lost and undone listen friend there's pleasure in sin for a season but that's all that it is there's an eternity that awaits us there's a judgment that's before us and if you don't know Christ as your Savior it'll be a Christless eternity forever let's bow our heads Father